You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Wonderful. Bless you. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Um, today, I want to talk about the most, one of the most, well, it is the most important thing we should be going after. Um, as a believer and as a Christ follower, someone who follows Jesus, someone who's a child of God, this is what the Bible says we should be seeking after. So I'm going to be speaking about wisdom. Wisdom. What is wisdom? But how, how we can get wisdom. Wisdom um, is to apply knowledge. So wisdom is, sometimes we mix up wisdom with knowledge. You know, you can have a lot of knowledge about something and not have wisdom. So you can have a lot of knowledge um, about smoking cigarettes is bad for your health. You can know all about it. You can, know, you can go to school for years and know about what it will do, do to your lungs. But wisdom means um, you apply that knowledge and you don't smoke. So someone that's smoking, when they know all that knowledge, is not walking in wisdom. True? We do that with our food. We know food, certain foods aren't good for us. We have the knowledge that it's not good in a, you know, big amounts of certain foods. Junk food, I don't know. Preservatives. All that sort of stuff, crispy creams. I can't live on donuts. I can't live on chocolate cake. I'm talking to my, ch- I'm talking to my children. You can't live on Nutella. Um, we know that's the knowledge, but to apply the knowledge is wisdom, right? Because until you apply it, it's not going to help you, right? And that's true of a lot of things, even fitness. We know walking is good, exercise is good. I can know all the knowledge, but unless I apply it, I'm not walking in the wisdom of that. So keep that in mind. But um, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to pick up chapter 3, verse 13. It says, happy, or the the word in the, um, I like it in the King James Version, because you look up the word in the Hebrew, it's stronger than happy. It's not just, I'm a happy person. It's blessed. The word blessed. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom. When I think of being blessed, I think of being blessed in every area of your life. Happiness can make you feel, I've got a happy feeling. But we're talking about being blessed in every area of your life. Blessed as a husband, blessed as a father, blessed as a family man, blessed in your business, blessed in your health, blessed in your relationships, just blessed. You have to have wisdom to be blessed in every area of your life. Wisdom is the vital thing. Because without wisdom, you won't walk in this blessing. Wisdom comes from God. God has wisdom. And blessed is the man or the woman who finds wisdom. So you've got to find it. It doesn't just come to everybody. If wisdom just does, God doesn't give out wisdom to everybody like that, regardless of your state and, and, and willingness or desire for it. He just doesn't give it to everybody because the key is desiring it. Who finds? You've got to find it. And the man or woman who gains understanding, gains understanding, it says, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. The proceeds, the proceeds of wisdom, her proceeds of wisdom, is better than profits of silver. And her gain, the gain of wisdom, is better than fine gold. And it goes on to say, she is more precious than rubies. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Now, I don't know about you, but before I, be- I became a Christian at 19, so I worked for a few years, um, and every time I used to go to work, I used to dream. I'm a dreamer. I would dream about having millions of dollars. I'd just dream. What would I do if I had millions of dollars? Back then, a million dollars was a lot of money. You can buy four houses with a million dollars, right? That's how... F- Old I am. But, 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 but I used to dream, what would I do if I had a million dollars? I would do this, I would do that. And I just get excited, just thinking, wow, all the things I can do if I had a million dollars. I didn't have Jesus, so I thought money was going to make me happy. But, but I still dream. 
And sometimes I dream, imagine if I had this much money. What would I do with it? My motives are completely different. Before I knew Jesus, it was all about me and making me happy and all about my life. I would have just used it for my little old selfish little person that I was. Didn't care about anybody else but me. But now that I'm a Christian, actually, if I had a lot of money, I would use it to help people. Preach the gospel, travel, preach the gospel in other nations, help churches, build churches in poor areas, feed people. I mean, we empower the church. We can buy a building. We, all the things we would do, help youth, youth, youth people in the, our community, just on and on and on and on and on if we had a lot of money. So sometimes I do imagine if I had a lot of money. The Bible's saying, you know how people think if they had a lot of money, it would answer all their, their problems? Most of you don't want to admit it, but that's what you think. That's what I think sometimes. But the Bible's saying wisdom's more, more beneficial, more profitable than all the money in the world. Just think about it for a sec. Wisdom is far better than all the money in the world. If I had a choice, you had a choice, God says, I'll give you all the wisdom you ever need, or I'll give you all the money that you ever need. Which, what would you truly choose? No, no, no consequences, no punishment, no, nothing. Just all the money in the world. All the wisdom in the world. Most people choose more than money in the world. That's how much we think wisdom is not important. God's saying it's the most important. Because it goes on to say, And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. All the things you can desire, all the things I can desire, doesn't even compare to wisdom. Because wisdom is the principal thing, the Bible says, in the book of Proverbs. So above everything, go after wisdom. Because if you get wisdom, you will get riches and honor anyway. You get all the, the, the riches will follow wisdom. But wisdom doesn't follow riches. A lot of people that are rich don't have a lot of wisdom. Just because you've got a lot of money in the bank doesn't make you a wise person. Right? And, and, and wisdom blesses every area of your life. Blesses your family, blesses your parenting, blesses you as a husband and your, uh, loving your wife. It blesses the way you raise children. It blesses your business. It blesses your entrepreneurship. It gives you inventory. You can be an inventor. You can be creative. You can, wisdom will help you do all that. Wow. Above all things, you may, above, and above all things that you can desire, desire cannot, sorry, let me read it properly. I was trying to read a, a, a different scripture. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand. I mean, who wants to have length of days? All of us. No one wants to die young. We want length of days. You, just don't, want, you don't want length of days of our quality of life. It says, in her le left hand is riches and honor. Riches and honor is in the left hand. Not just riches, but riches and honor. Honor is a beautiful thing. You can have a lot of riches and have no honor. You won't have, you won't have an enjoyable life. No one respects you. No one, no, no one cares for you. No one loves you. No honor. Everyone hates you. You have a lot of money, but everyone hates you. No friends, no relationship, no social life. So you want to have riches, yes, but I want riches and honor. They come together when you've got wisdom. Riches and honor. If you choose wisdom, riches will follow you anyway. That's the key. In, in, in um, Proverbs 2, really quickly, I don't want to get stuck here, but I want to motivate us that we need to go for wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. It says in verse 1, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you may incline your ear to wisdom. Incline your ear. The key is inclining, desiring it, wanting it, looking for it. So that you may incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. So you've got to apply your heart. If you don't apply it, you don't get it. Yes, if you cry out for a discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek for her 
as you would seek for silver. And if you search for as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So it's saying basically, if you, you seek for wisdom as you would hidden treasure, then you would find it. It's talking about motivation. How motivated are you and mo- how motivated am I to seek after wisdom? Now, if you had, if, if, if somehow in your backyard, just create, create a scenario, in your backyard, say you've got a big backyard, somewhere in your backyard, 10 feet, 20 feet, 15 feet, maybe 30 feet down in the ground, there's about 20, no, let's say $100 million worth of gold bullion buried. $100 million in your backyard. But you don't know where it is, but it's in there. What you do know, it's for sure in there. Now, what would you do to, to get it? I don't know about you. If you had no equipment, you'd get a shovel and you'd work all night long. You know it's there somewhere, you'd find it. But if you had some equipment, you'd get some tractors, you'd get some trucks, you'd get some people, you'd get some lights happening, working all night. I mean, you'd, you'd find that $100 million worth of bullion, you, gold bullion, because you know it's there. If it's there, you'd work for it, wouldn't you? You'd seek for it if you knew if it was there. Wisdom is there. Wisdom's found in Christ. Wisdom is in Him, in, in the Holy Spirit. He has all the wisdom in the world. If you finish reading Proverbs 3, it goes on to say, when we're talking about this wisdom, in verse 17, Her ways, wisdom, are ways of pleasantness, and her paths are peace. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Tree of life in every area of your life. You want joy? Wisdom. If you've got wisdom, joy will follow. You want the peace of mind? Wisdom. If you've got, pe- you got wisdom, you'll have peace. Oh, but I'm full of anxiety and worry and stress. That's because you're not walking in the wisdom that is available. She is a tree of life for those who take hold of her. And blessed are all who retain her. Listen to this in verse 19. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. It's like he's, I mean, Solomon is the wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus. He was given so much wisdom. And he's saying, God used wisdom to create the earth. And that's really trying to say something to us. So guys, wake up. God used this wisdom to create the world. He used understanding to found the heavens. That's what the scripture says. If I have wisdom and I have understanding, I could, through God's help and God's strength and connecting with God, we can create the world that he wants us to have. You need wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Above all things, go after wisdom because that's what you and I need. So God, you know, Solomon is one of the wisest men in the world. I mean, he was amazing. God said to him, what, what do you want to have? I'll, I'll give you whatever you want. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for honor. He said, God, I need your wisdom to, to take care of your people. I'm a young man. I need your wisdom. And he goes, because you ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom. But I'm going to give you riches and honor as well. That's what God said to Solomon. Solomon was so wise. Queens and people from all around the world, a queen of Sheba, she came all the way because she heard about his wisdom and wanted to see uh, what it was like because she had all these amazing stories. She came, she says, man, the half of it wasn't even told me. It's the way your, your servants dress. It was manifesting and revealing. Wisdom was revealing itself in the way they dressed, the way they served, the way they had their cups and their, their plates, and the way they, they, the way they did life, wisdom was flowing in the kingdom. And... and, and, and People from all around the world gave gold. I mean, it talks about how much gold came to him and treasures and taxes. And people gave gifts continually because he would give wisdom away. He wrote all the book of Proverbs. He wrote, he wrote a thousand Proverbs, apparently. Heaps of Proverbs and songs he wrote and everything. So how do we get wisdom? I believe Solomon doesn't waste his words. He's talking about wisdom as the most important thing. He tells us he unravels the keys 
that connects us to wisdom. And if you don't walk in it, it disconnects us to that flow. Does that make sense? The first thing he talks about in verse 1 of chapter 3 is, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. The law and the commands of God is the word of God. Like, you know, they shall meditate in the word day and night. I mean, meditate in his law, sorry. Psalms 1. We shall meditate in his law day and night. He's talking about the word of God. So the first thing we need to be connected to is the word of God. I can't express and explain how hungry you and I need to be to digest this word. We need this word. I mean, there's a vision in uh, the book of Revelations that John had a vision of heaven and God gave him a scroll. Like a, basically, it was like the word of God written in a scroll. He says, eat it. He ate the scroll. He ate it and it was bitter to his, uh, sweet to his taste, but bitter to his stomach. When you eat it, it's delicious. When you live it and digest it, it becomes hard, bitter. But when he ate the word, he was able to prophesy and speak the word of God to the nations. So we need this word. You can get 5%. It's up to you. I'll read 5% of it every day. I'll read just a little bit. Just give it those 5% of my, my energy. I'll read it. That's how much you get out of it. You give 100% to this, you get 100% back. It's up to you and I. It's our degree of hunger. How hungry are we to get God's wisdom, to get God's knowledge? Because it will help every area of your life. I became a Christian at 19. I, was a, I would have been messed up, I'm telling you. I was a hip-hopper, breakdancer, um, fashion designer, nightclub guy, drinking alcohol already at that age, almost every night, every time we went out. I, I got hooked on it. And all the other lifestyle that comes with that, I was on a road that I would have been messed up. Most of my friends got messed up. They were my best friends. Messed up marriages, messed up families. Some of them dead. Some overdosed with one of my best friends, overdosed with drugs at 30. Just going on and on. So I know the road I was on without Christ I would have definitely messed up my life because I didn't have his wisdom. Full of pride, full of arrogance, he thought I knew, but I know now I would have messed up my life. When I became a Christian at 19, I devoured this word. Still am 30 years later, 30 something years later. Still devouring it, still hungry for it. You know, we've got amazing devices these days. I had to use an auto reverse tape recorder. You know the auto reverse? When that came out, the sound. Wired for sound, Cliff Richards. Wired for sound. Wow, you can put it, put it here and you can go mobile with music. You can press and it'll turn itself over by itself. That was a great feature. You had to stop it, take it out, turn it around, put it back in, close the thing and press play again. But when it auto-reversed, wow, I can go to sleep. My tape recorder, auto-reverse, of course, and go to sleep and it would play all night long. Just turn itself over all by itself. And I hear the word of God while I was sleeping, preaching. My study notes, I would put on my tape, record it, what I studied in the Bible, and I put it in a word, and then I'd hear it over. Wake up in the morning, shower, eat breakfast, shave. I'd put, I had tapes everywhere in my house. Tape recorders, press play. I was serious. The auto, what do you call that, wired for sound thing? I'd put it on my side here, drive. Walkman, thank you. That Walkman thing, while I was driving, I had a, a van called the Happy Van. We called it a Happy Van because it was a happy van. We used to sing all the time. It's really, really deep, isn't it? Um, we used to sing. And we used to pick up people for church. Two hours to pick them up and two hours to drop everyone off all around Sydney just to go to church. And I, and I would have this preaching in one ear and this one I was able to connect and talk to everybody. But I, was, I wanted the word. I wanted the word to get in. And these days you've got mobile phones, devices, podcasts. While you're cleaning the house, someone could be preaching to you. While you're cleaning the house, you can hear the word of God spoken to you. Put a earphone on. Listen. Clean. 
weed the garden, whatever you're doing at work, while you're driving, in the bus, getting to work. Listen to the word as much as you possibly can. If you don't have an input, you're not going to have an output. I want to have an output. We'll put it in. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I really struggle. Well, get the word in you. I'm not strong because of who I am. I'm strong because God's word is in me. None of us, I'm telling you, I'm a very normal, ordinary person. Very. It's easy to think, oh, you, you're strong. You, you're anointed. You're a pastor. You're called by God. No, I'm just like you. I'm totally normal like you. Our family's totally normal. Natural, ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. But when you're connected to the extraordinary, He gives you the extraordinary ability. But it comes through knowing His word. Can't express it enough. I wish I could stay there for weeks because it's up to you and me how much we want the word. Let it change your life. Let it change the way you think. Let it renew your thinking. Amen? I hope, I hope you get the point. Number one, that's the word of God. But we find in, in um, verse three now, I'm oh, sorry, length of days and long life. Everyone wants length, length of days and long life. That's what the word will do for you. And peace, the shalom of God, they will add to you. Shalom means blessed in every area of your life. Health, prosperity in every area, right? Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Why is Solomon talking about mercy and truth now? Because it's a key to wisdom. We have to have the balance of mercy and truth. It says, when you have the mercy and truth around your neck, Write it around there. They used to write little scriptures. I had little gob- the, 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 the Israelites would have like necklaces and little things, scriptures. They would open and look at it all the time and read it and memorize it. And, and it gives you a picture of let it be with you everywhere you go. Write it on the tablet of your heart. Put it here. Everywhere you go, let it, let it move you. Truth and mercy. If you do that, look what it says. And so you'll find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. You'll find favor with God. That's the first key. And then with man. You know... In, uh, in uh, Luke, about Jesus, it says he grew. As a little boy, he grew to become a man. But as he grew, he grew in stature of wisdom, maturity, and wisdom. And because he grew in wisdom, it says he grew in favor with God and man. Same thing. It gives us a key. Because he had wisdom, he grew in favor with God and man. He wasn't just connected to God and had no earthly input. He can't, he, I mean, the crowds followed him everywhere he went. Truth and mercy. If I only have truth and have no mercy, I can destroy people with truth. I can hurt people with truth. It's true, but I can hurt you. In Ephesians, it says we are supposed to, as believers, speak the truth in love. Isn't that beautiful? In the Gospel of John, it says Jesus came with truth and grace. Not just truth. So mercy means grace. You look up the word mercy, it means to be merciful, kind, loving. It means to be gracious. The New Testament word we use for mercy is really grace a lot of times. So it's like Jesus came with truth, but with grace. He didn't just come with grace without truth. He didn't just come with truth without grace. You need both. We as believers, as Christians, we love everybody because God loves everybody. True? God's in love with everyone, no matter who they are or what their background is. No matter what they're doing, God loves them the same as He loves you. So we love everyone the same. God obviously doesn't love the sin that they're involved in. He loves them. He doesn't, he doesn't like the sin. So same with us. We don't, we're, not, we're not happy with the sin. We don't like the sin, but we love them the same way God does. So when I, if I come in and just give them truth, 
and don't give them mercy, I can hurt them and lose them rather than be show mercy, acceptance, love. How do you think Matthew, the tax collector, chucked a big dinner party and all the sinners and all the tax collectors came and to be with Jesus? Jesus attracted the lost. He attracted people that didn't know Christ. He didn't know God. He attracted people that were living in life. Prostitutions. Prostitutes. They came to Jesus. The worst of the worst wanted to be with Jesus. Do you think Jesus is going, all right, this is what you got to fix with your life. Bang, 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 bang. And until you fix it, I'm not talking to you. He valued them for who they were. So he loved them. But if we just show grace and love and no truth, we're also not going to help people. You can grow, oh, I love you. God loves you. I love you. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter. It'll send them to hell for all eternity. You've got to be gracious. You've got to be merciful. You've got to show them love. But we need to speak the truth in love. Can you see the balance? Can you see? Uh, you know, the, the, the church has been so judged by people that don't know, you know, they don't know any better. Like people that are living lifestyle of homosexuality. The church has been very judgmental towards them. And had, oh, you're doing that. And yet in God's eyes, it's sin like anybody else. It's the same sin. Sin is sin. In God's, he doesn't see one sin worse than another sin. But the church has been judged. Oh, and they think they can't come in. They think they can't come to church because, oh, everyone's going to judge us. But when we show the same love as we would of anybody else, if someone's lying and is a constant liar, all they do is lie, I'm going to love them as a person, no matter what they're doing. But eventually, because I love them, I'm going to help them. There's a better way than just living a life of lies and just lying to everyone and, li- and putting on a mask. I'm going to show them, speak the truth with love. I accept them as a person. True of any person's lifestyle. Does that make sense? Truth with grace and love. That's the key to be connected to God and with people. To have favor with people. Or else people would shut you down and shut you off. Because we don't know how to show truth and grace. Truth and mercy. So, so important. I want us as a church to know how to love it, the unlovable. The hurting, the broken. People have been abused. People have been smashed. We've got to just show them love. With truth. God will show you how to speak the truth in love. Amen? So, so vital. The other points. Really, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. As a young baby believer or Christian, I mean, who hasn't? Memorize that. I mean, most I did. I memorized that, and anytime I was bombarded, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. But this is the key for wisdom. Trust means faith. I'm trusting in you, God, in your word, in what you say to me, and what you've spoken to me, what you say about me, what you say I can do, and not I don't lean on my own understanding. The bank account is empty. I got bills all over the place. I don't know what to do, God. If I look at my own understanding, I'm going under. But I trust in you with all my heart. I don't lean on my own understanding. The Bible says, cast all my cares upon you because God cares for me. So I'm casting all my cares upon you. I trust, with you. I trust in you with all my heart. The trust connects you to God. Connects you to his wisdom. No, no better way to say it. Trust is faith. You've got to trust what he says about you above what your physical eyes are seeing and what people are saying. Because that's what connects you to wisdom. Do you want the wisdom to flow? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. When you're in a fix and you're in a problem, trust in God with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. It'll connect you to wisdom because you're connected to the spirit realm. You're hearing God's voice about this situation. Then it says, when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, it says, acknowledge him in all your ways. 
Think about that. Acknowledge God in all your ways, and He will direct your path. If we want wisdom to flow, I've got to lean on Him everywhere, all the time. I don't shut Him down and go, no, I don't need you for this. I'm just going to take you in my own strength. I lean into Him. I ask Him. I acknowledge Him. I invite Him into my life. I'm making a decision for this little thing here. What, what do you think, God? What, what do you say about this? What should I do here? Always leaning on Him. Even when you don't know how to do something, say, God, help me in this. I need your grace. I need to acknowledge you. God, help me. What do I do here? God knows everything. He knows everything about everything. Say, God, show, show me how to do this. So acknowledge Him will connect you to heaven. You're asking. Because you've got faith in Him, you're asking, aren't you? Because you've got trust in the Lord with all your heart and you don't lean on your understanding, you're going to acknowledge Him. But unconsciously, we shut Him down sometimes. I'll just do this on myself. Oh, I'm fine. I know how to do this. And we're not asking. We're not open. We're not listening. The key is listen. In every area of your life. If we're going to let wisdom flow. And then he says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. You know your ways and knowledge. Yeah. Do not be wise in your own eyes. What do you think that means? Do not be wise in your own eyes. You look that up in the Hebrew, the original language it was spoken in. Do not be wise in your own eyes. It literally means the same thing. Look at wise in your own eyes. Eyes means perception, in your own understanding. If I'm wise in my own eyes, I think I know it. I know that. I can't can't teach me. I already know that. If I'm full, if the cup's full, I'm not going to get more. If I think I know everything, would I ask for more? Being wise in your own perception, your own understanding, means you're not even looking for knowledge. You're not even seeking anymore because you think you've got it. An arrogant person, pride, is not going to ask for more because he thinks he's, he's got it. Be not wise in your own eyes. I reckon this key is humility. We need to be humble. Because the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. It doesn't say humble. It doesn't say, don't ever pray this prayer. This is a very dangerous prayer to pray. God, humble me. Don't ever ask God to humble you. He doesn't need to. First of all, if God humbled you, you'd be in big trouble. But the Bible says, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You do the humbling. Choose to humble yourself because the word of God says God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Think about it for a second. Not, not evil spirits, not demons, not this dark world that's out there. That if There are demons out there. They're not going to resist you. God Almighty resists the pride. I mean, I don't want God to resist me. Of all... Of all the most powerful being in the universe resists me. I've got no chance. So pride, arrogance, makes even God resist you. You automatically resist people with pride, and I do too. If someone's full of pride, full of themselves, full of arrogance, you think they know it all, we just detest that. The Bible says God resists the proud. He detests it, but he gives grace to the humble. So humility is a key to connect yourself to that wisdom that flows. The wisdom is always flowing. There's always enough of wisdom. It's not, that's why I understand God. God is full of wisdom. God is wisdom. He's flowing. It's like God is always communicating. God's not silent. He's always talking. He's always speaking. He's always desiring to speak to you. Sometimes I know how God's not talking today. I'm, talking to, I'm trying to talk to him. He's not talking. He's in a bad mood. Never. He's just always communicative. He's a communicating God. He's in love with you. He's always talking to you. So... Do not be wise in your own eyes. I reckon Solomon, with all the wisdom he had, he probably tried to give people wisdom. But when someone came 
wise in your own eyes, he couldn't give him anything. So he's saying, guys, this is another key. Don't be wise in your own eyes. The other one is fear the Lord. The, Bible's full of, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Now, most people don't know what the fear of the Lord is. The fear is speaking of the reverential fear of God. What does that look like in the New Testament lifestyle? That we're, we're under grace. We're forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty on the cross. My sin, your sin was put upon Christ and he consumed the judgment of God for us. He says, I give you forgiveness for free. For free. Can't do a thing to deserve it. Can't do a thing to earn it. I just give you forgiveness for free. So we receive it. We can't enter the kingdom and relationship with him by being good enough. And we can't stay saved by trying to do it by our works. It's just by grace. We know that. But in that context, how do you fear God? So some people go, I'm under grace, don't have to do anything. I'm under grace, don't have to do this, don't have to do that. And it's like they've got no fear of God anymore. The church has fallen into a place where they don't fear God. And so they live any lifestyle. The church, we're talking about God's people. But the fear, the reverential fear. I've got a scripture that I put it in my calendar. So every morning it shows up. I don't see it every morning, but it's in my calendar. I should just always remember to look at it. But it says that we shall all, as believers and Christians, and shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Because I want the fear of God to grip me. Think about that for a second. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. What's that going to look like? The Bible says to give account of everything we've ever done in our body, whether good or bad. Now, this has nothing to do with our salvation. It's not about do I make it to heaven or not. Take that away. It's not even that. You're already in heaven. You're already a citizen of heaven. You're already a son and daughter of God. You've already been translated from the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of his, the son he loves. You're already in the kingdom of light. It's not about that. But it is about standing before Christ. The beautiful love of Christ. Eyes of love. Pure, brilliant holiness and love for you. And you have to give account of how you lived your life. And anything you and I did. If I did things out of selfish ambition. If God says, I want you to do this. And I say no. And I did something else. I did my own selfish thing. I have to give account of that bad thing I did in my body. And it'll burn up to nothing. It'll burn up and I could have received reward. I could have given him glory, but I chose not to. I have to give account. I have to look to his eyes. I'm trying to remind myself, God, help me fear you. Help me remember what that day is going to look like. Because it's coming. It's coming for every single person. Jesus even says, you'll be judged for every idle word that you say. Every word you and I speak, we'll give account in the day of judgment. So there is a day of judgment for a believer, but it's a, it's a judgment seat of Christ. Thank God it's not about making it into heaven or not. We're already there. It's about rewards. But I want to still reverentially fear. I want to please Him. How does it look like? For unbelievers that don't know Christ, they go to the judgment seat. Sorry, they go to the great white throne judgment in the book of Revelations chapter 20. Completely different judgment. People that don't know Christ go there. People that do know Christ stand before Christ. But how do, we, how do we fear God to know we will give account? And we'll miss out on the things we could have had, the, the, uh, the rewards in heaven. And some people, I'm not motivated out of rewards. I, don't do, I just don't care about, the, I just want to get there. I don't care what reward level I get into. Well, it goes against the very nature of the image of God within you. Do you know that? In this earth right now, you care about your rewards. You care about 
Like, no one wants to fail. Do you get up in the morning, I want to fail today. I want to fail miserably. I want to make sure I, I lose in everything I do, every attempt, everything, like endeavor I do. I want to be a failure. Why is it that we want to be successful? Why is it that we want to win in life? Because God created you like that. You know, I, I just want to be punished today. That's like a, what do you call it, people that love pain? Statistics. Like, I, I want to be punished. I want bad things to happen to me. No, you want good things to happen to you. It's, it goes in the nature of God. When we get to heaven, I want to be rewarded. There are different levels of glory in heaven. Well, it depends what you want. Each star shines in its glory. Talk about the resurrection. Some star shines brighter than another one, but we're going to shine differently. Well, man, I want to, I want to shine for him. That's desire is there. I want, to, I want to fear God. The other one is depart from evil. It's not just there because it's, oh, we shouldn't be in evil. It's there because if you walk in any, the word evil means twisted. It literally means to pervert. So when we walk in perversion of truth, we cut off ourselves from wisdom. Holiness, to be like God, connects you to the wisdom of God. Um, if, if, if I can give you homework, it's not homework, but you know what I mean. Just do something when you get home. Read the whole uh, chapter 3 of the book of James. Read the whole chapter because it talks about the power of our words. It talks about any person that's mature will be able to protect what he says and he won't say anything that is offensive. He won't say anything that's damaging. And he goes, we put little bits in a horse's mouth. We can turn the whole horse. A little bit in the tongue can turn the horse and it moves. Even though the horse is a big horse, it can move that way. Because there's a big ship, it's got a little rudder, and the captain of the ship moves the whole ship from a little rudder underneath. And so is the tongue, a little part of our member. But from our tongue, we can speak things that are destructive and leads us there, or speak things that are constructive and creative and positive and leads us there. Because out of the same mouth, because you bless God and tell Him, I love you, I love you, I bless you. In the same mouth, you curse man. Because you can't do that. That's what it's saying. I'm just summarizing. You can't do that. You can't bless God and then curse man. Out of the same fountain, you never find a fountain. That's what the Bible says. You never find a fountain that has salt water and fresh from the same fountain. It's got to have a source. It's talking about source. Then he goes, same with wisdom. If you want to be wise, show it by your good deeds. Then he says, anything that's selfish ambition, anything that's strife and envy, that wisdom does not come from heaven. It comes from this earth. It's sense, 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 sensual, which means physical by nature, animal, almost animal instinct, and then even devilish, demonic, demon-inspired wisdom. So anytime we're in envy and strife, if I'm full of envy, why am I envious? I'm actually, when I'm envious of someone else's success... And I'm, not, and, not, and I'm not happy with the way I am. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I wish I was that person. I wish I had that person's gift. I'm, I wish I had that person's personality. Oh, man, he's so good at what he does. I'm, I'm actually dishonoring the creativity of God in me, what he made me to be. I'm almost saying I criticize the way you made me. Why did you make me like this? I'm not happy the way you made me. I've got to be. Wisdom is I'm happy the way you made me. And I'm different. I act different. I look different. I speak different from any person on the planet. And you do too. So you can be the best you because there's only one you of you. Don't try to be somebody else because you can't flow in the... This is wisdom as well, what I'm talking about. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4. It talks about the body. 
The body has different parts, different members. So it is with Christ. Wisdom means I let you be you. I love when you're you and when you flow in your gifts and your abilities and your strength and your personality. It's completely different to anybody else. We, we, rejoice. we find the wisdom of God this way. And then in that James chapter 3, at the end, he goes, but that the wisdom that comes from above is first of all, this is the first thing it says, it's first of all, pure. Wisdom from above is pure. What does pure mean to you? I think you just got a pure heart to serve Him and love Him. There's nothing in us for selfish ambition, selfish glory, one acceptance from people. Imagine every single person, all they want to do is, I want to please you and because you tell me I want to love people, I want to love people purely. Wisdom will flow. The wisdom that we want will flow when we walk in purity. Gentle is a word for humble. It says, and gentle, the wisdom that comes from heaven is humble. Easily to be entreated. Isn't that beautiful? It actually means easily to be persuaded. Easily to be persuaded. God's easily, God, our Father, is easily to be persuaded. It's, if I'm not easily to be persuaded, the opposite of that is stubbornness. That's it. Go my way or the highway. That's the way I do it. I just cannot be entreated. I cannot be persuaded. I will never change. What's that? Rebellious. Stubborn. But the wisdom from above is easily to be entreated. So, so good. You know, the last one, actually, I, I want to share something that I think can really help us understand wisdom. It says, my son or my daughter, verse 11, do not despise chastening, ch the chastening of the Lord or the correcting. It literally means the correcting of the Lord. Nor detest his correction. Why do we detest it? But we do sometimes. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights in. God as a father loves us and wants to correct us when we're wrong. This speaks of teachability. But not a father like, oh, you've done that wrong, I'm going to punish you. No, he's just, all he wants to do is show you a better way. He wants to correct the wrong so he can give you wisdom. Now, please do not go up to my daughter and say anything about this. But I want to share something about my daughter. Right? Because I don't think it's wise. Oh, your dad said this. Don't, don't bring it up. Okay? It's a sensitive issue for her. But she had to go to Canberra for a school, school camp to experience Canberra. And she had to be there at 5.30, 5.15 to 5.30 in the morning. She had the alarm at 4.15. She's excited, packed the night before. She um, wakes up at 4.15, dresses herself up. It was going, the alarm was going for 15 minutes. I'm thinking, you could have got up a quarter to five. We would have easily made it. I'm trying to sleep anyway. She comes, cut a long story short, we, everything done, lunch, everything, and she couldn't find a jacket. It's a cold morning, Canberra's freezing, looking for a jacket everywhere. So we're running a little bit late. We're not going to be late, but in her mind, we're running late, she's getting a bit stressed. Christine woke up and started to help us find a jacket, gave her another jacket. But in her mind, she's thinking, what happens if we miss the bus? The bus is going to leave without me. She's already stressing for that a little bit. What, I don't have a jacket. Will they let me come? She's thinking about that too. So as we got in and got close to the bus, all the students were just about to get on. They, they were lining up. They weren't on yet, but they were about to. Line. She gets now really emotional, thinking, I don't have a jacket. Are they going to let me on? Am I going to miss the bus? In her little mind, this is a big deal. I'm just going to use her as an example, how we are with our little mind with God. And, and so she's now crying by this time. So I couldn't see her face exactly, but I could tell she's emotional and everyone's looking at her. So all the parents are looking at her, looking at her, because she's upset. And so we got through the crowd, 
got to the teachers. Everyone had gone out of the hall. There was a couple of teachers there. They were so helpful. They quickly went to the classroom, found the jacket. I, by that time, gave the, her bags into the bus. She was never going to miss the bus, but in her little mind, she's pretty scared that she's going to miss the bus. It's a big deal for her. Camp with her friends. Wow. Cut a long story short, quickly, in my heart as a father, I wanted to show her you didn't have to worry. You didn't have to stress out. Your little mind was stressing, worrying. In her mind, she was thinking, will they let me on the bus? Will I miss the bus? What happens if we miss the bus and everything? So I thought, it's a great object lesson, great example to try to teach her as a father. Now I'm going to sit down, wait for the right moment. I tried to choose my moment. At nighttime, where your kid doesn't want you to leave, wants to talk, because you're putting them to bed. Tell me a story, Dad. Tell me, what's so I'm talking, uh, Evangeline, really lovingly, really tender. This is how God is to us. Evangeline, I want to talk to you about something. I just, I just want to talk to you about something. Well, what is it, Dad? And I've tried to bring up the subject. She was so sensitive about it, she didn't want to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to go there. No, I don't, no Dad, I don't want to talk about it. I said, but Evangeline, I want to show you something. I'm trying to show her to fight the right way, right thinking, so when she grows older, she doesn't have to worry and stress about life because it was all going to be okay. She doesn't know my desire as a father. But you know, if we missed the bus, I would have driven her all the way to Canberra. 100%. I would have driven her, ring the, ring the, the teachers, where are you going to meet? I'm going to drop you off, and so on. So she was never going to miss, that was never the equation, but in her mind, she thought she would. So I wanted to show her, you didn't have to freak out, you didn't have to worry. We were going to make, your jacket was there in the classroom all along. And even if you didn't find it, guess what? The teachers will still let you on. You're not going to miss a whole excursion because you don't have a school jacket. They're not that strict. But I'm just trying to. And what I'm trying to say, I couldn't have the conversation I wanted. The thing about it, as a father's point of view, all I want to do is show her a better way of living a life. But as a daughter, she, I don't want to go there emotionally. I just don't want to go there. I don't want to go. So how many times God's trying to speak to us, we don't want to go there. No, God. He's trying to teach us a wisdom, how to do life better. It comes, wisdom comes from relationship. That's why it's hard to teach it. Let me explain this. If I've got a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit speaks to me, two to three things a day to change something, to make it better, to modify my character, modify my heart, change something in my thinking. Just two or three things a day. It's not a lot. Two, three things a day in a year is a thousand, about a thousand modifications, changes in your character, changes in your behavior, changes in your thinking. But if you don't have a relationship with God and you don't have that modification changes out of relationship, you're still here. And if someone has a relationship with God a year later, he's way down the track. Does that make sense? It's like me going to the gym. I go to the gym. It doesn't look like it, but I go to the gym. Two or three times a week, let's say roughly three times a week, one hour and a half at the gym. That's all I need to stay relatively fit and relatively toned. I want to do that when I'm 80 and 90. I want to stay fit. I want to stay strong. But three times a week, this is the power of consistency. I'm trying to tell you something. This is what wisdom comes from, the power of consistency. If I say I can't do it every day or I can't do it three times a week, but I will do it once every two weeks, and I'll take the same amount of hours, which would be nine hours. I'm going to do it once every two weeks, and I'll work my body for nine hours. Would that work? It's not going to work. My body wouldn't cope first. Nine hours of trying to rip your muscles up. And it's not going to recover. In, it's just not going to recover properly. The benefit of the same time at the gym, nine hours every two weeks, or one hour and a half every three, every three times a week. Does it make sense? 
we, we don't put it in every week, every day. Don't put the Word of God in. Don't spend time with God. Don't make adjustments. But we come on Sunday. We Come on, God. Come on. Speak to me. God, change me. I'm trying to do it in nine hours. All in one go. It's supposed to be every day. The little adjustments, the little, little things gets the wisdom of God flowing. The power of consistency is so vital. That's what wisdom does for you. I met, I left the church 30 years ago. Just leave you with this. So important. If it, I think it makes the point. Please hear my heart. It's not about me or us. I told you we're normal, ordinary people. I met a friend of mine that was in the same church I came out of. I was there for three years. I left because they weren't teaching the right things from the Bible. The foundation was wrong. I moved on. I, met, I know this guy. I see him every now and then. He doesn't even go to that church anymore. He goes there from time to time where they have a visiting speaker. Now, remember I said the power of wisdom, the power of changing, modifications every year, little things because of relationship. 30 years later, he sees me at a shopping center and says, Oh, we've got this speaker coming to this church. Why don't you come, Leo? It'll be great for you. It'll be so awesome. Bring your kids too. Oh, my kids love it. This guy's so engaging. He is so engaging. My kids, these grown-up teenage kids and early 20s, they, I think teenagers, they don't play on their phone. They don't play on their phone when they go to church. They just, they listen. Or else, other times when I take them, they just always play on the phone. And I, it just didn't compute with me. It's another world. My kids are leading the church. I'm, I'm not being boastful. They're leading the church. Talk about getting their attention to listen. They're carrying the church, leading the church. They're empowering the people. They're preaching. They're leading. I mean, can you see 30 years later, the decision I made back then to listen to God in the little, little things, just little things, brings you in a completely different world. I thought, man, I don't have to struggle with my kids listening, playing on their phone at church. Please hear my heart. I'm trying to say this how, how we get the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God helps you in every area of your life. Parenting, husbanding, relationship, everywhere. Let's pray. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.